Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Today is Monday, November the 8th. Um, I apologize first and foremost for we missed a whole week. Uh, last week would have been November the 1st. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess let's get things out of the way first. Um, things to go over before um, getting into me to this podcast and talking to eventually what led us to missing a whole, a whole episode of a podcast. Um, Primo's YouTube channel, still relevant. Do we still have classics kicking out or are those? Yeah, yeah, they're still going. Yeah, all the all the shows that are going to be uploaded for now are there. So if you haven't caught up on Primo's episodes, um, do that. And then there's still Primo's classics being uploaded on a weekly basis. So not hard to do at all. YouTube.com, search Primo's Hunting. We should be the first channel to pop up and uh, get your fix there. Um, also we have a promo code because it is still November is still rut time, so to speak in the Midwest and rut time is still yet to come upon us in areas like Mississippi and Alabama and that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning from Tennessee and they're just now getting cranked up up there. So yeah. it's, uh, it's cycling down, it's coming down. It's on its way. It's like Santa Claus coming from North Pole, coming down, it's coming like, down. Yeah. It's like the, uh, it's like the duck migration, but it's deer wanting to breed. Yes. So basically the same thing. STL21. STL21 is your promo code. And that doesn't just work on deer calls. That works on any, um, not previously discounted item at primos.com. So basically what that means, if an item is on sale already, that promo code is not going to work. But if it's regularly priced, SCL21 will save you some money um, so we can help you all out a little bit there. Uh, I don't know what the expiration is on that code. It may be indefinite. Who knows? Yeah. Go, but, go buy it. but it is valid right now. There was like a couple of dudes, the, the – um, person who runs the website sent me there was like two guys that used that code to buy a wind checker <laughs> which is like i think a wind checker is like four bucks <laughs> hey gotta cut pennies where you can i mean son. no yeah i ain't shaming anybody i thought it was funny i was like yeah save that dollar um so yeah stl21 speak the language 21 stl21 promo code save some money primos.com uh, I think that's all the housekeeping items we have to do. Um, I mean, you can still catch the shows on Outdoor Channel. Um, is there anything else that we're supposed to mention? No, I don't remember anything. Okay. Okay, so we missed a whole episode of podcast making. Uh, that is because when we recorded this podcast, the last one we did was kind of on going into like specifics on deer calling. And we alluded that with saying we were on our way to Iowa and I left here and left everything in the studio in the island of Misfits and planned on being back here next Monday, which would have been last week, to record an episode on how Iowa went. Well, next one Monday rolled around and we were still in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we hung with them pretty good. Man, it was... Uh he can't say it was bad at all because we had yeah. some really really good hunts yeah we had some challenges too because uh we got up there and had like one afternoon to hunt and then a front came in it was supposed to be blown out the next day and if anybody was around the midwest last week they know that front did not last but one one day it lasted like three and a half four days it hung on for a while yeah so we got up there hunted that first afternoon i think we saw a couple of does or something wasn't yeah. a whole lot going on it was hot and that storm front was coming in it just wasn't ideal conditions um uh, 
then that front came in and it pretty much rained for three straight days yeah and if i would have been just hunting without the camera stuff and all that we would have still got to go hunting but doing what we do you got to be conscious of getting water on stuff yeah which some of those days it was like we made we made it out in some of the quote rainy days yeah like that one afternoon when we snuck into a ground blind yeah we went and did a popping hunt yeah but it was it was the rain was light enough there that like just to, to i guess to go into the details on it like it was raining hard enough that even just walking to or from a tree stand would have been too much for the cameras yeah. you know what i mean that so just to get the point across to to the folks that are listening like it was raining like raining raining but that it had slacked up enough then that we could get out there get in the ground blind and make a hunt that ended up being one of the more exciting hunts that we had yeah we uh we called up a couple bucks that afternoon rattled in a really good looking 10 point just yeah. a year too young yeah and uh yeah i mean like that first two or three days that we were able to hunt we didn't i mean shoot i bet we didn't hunt but four or five hours the first three days we three days we were there just because yeah. of the weather but once that uh that front rolled out man the weather got really good and i think that first morning we sat and uh in that spot we sat a lot because it's a big old deer in there and uh is that when we saw the fight yes and uh shoot i think we ended up seeing about i don't know 12 different bucks or something like yeah. that it was a lot it was that, that was the morning we were like all right it's gonna happen now like <laughs> as far as like not when i say it i don't mean necessarily we're gonna kill a deer that morning but we're like we're gonna start seeing the rut like we want to yeah and uh we man i don't know how many different bucks we saw over that we were there for what 10 days or nine days but we really only hunted Ten, yeah. hunted six i think six and a half or something yeah. like that um uh, but man i bet we saw probably 40 to 50 different different bucks yeah in those sits and just mm-hmm. we saw some mature bucks too and uh just didn't have the right one come by us yeah um man we were calling up deer left and right the first couple of days but they were just all young it was mm-hmm. kind of weird deal because uh seemed like which i don't we always hear this story and stuff excuses every year but ruts doing this ruts doing that but it does seem like the does came in estrus this year about four or five days earlier than they usually do. Mm. I mean, just from based off what Tommy was telling us, and he's there every year for the last 12 years in southeast Iowa, he can yeah. pretty much pin it down to a day, you know, when they're supposed to be, like, full bore starting to get in lockdown. Right. And it seemed like it was uh, two or three days, four days earlier, which makes a big difference when you're hunting. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, what was interesting is um, – like same kind of deal like you're you were mainly using like tommy was your was like one of our main sources of information yeah obviously because like i said he that's that's his ground that we're hunting on he's the one he's been there for years um we actually were not hunting we were within like an hour of of where my i guess my career in the hunting industry started um and so i still have friends up there you know know people and so when we were having a slow start and we're seeing these inconsistencies or what we're not expecting to see as far as rut activity, I was reaching out to these guys. I was like, hey, what are y'all seeing? You know, because some of these guys were hunting, um, you know, big, like, private ground. Some guys were hunting on state ground. Uh, but it was pretty much across the board. You know, I mean, people were seeing some mature bucks, but it was not – there was like, yeah, it's just kind of been dead. You know, it hadn't mm-hmm. been – 
like the the constant cruising and chasing like you get in the spot where you were talking about uh, where we saw the like the first clear morning where we saw those deer we saw the two bucks get into a fight you would honestly like from the time that from what time i do have hunting in that part of the country you'd expect to sit there and just constantly be seeing different bucks just moving cruising because that's just how like we talked about it the last podcast episode we did that's just how intense that rut is or how, it's, how you did. expect it to be we did see that many bucks it just wasn't the mature bucks yeah you well know, I, it's yeah a, yeah it's just a weird deal like normally you would think you know especially that three to four day period before those actually come in those like real estrus like those mature bucks are up on their feet looking for looking. that first one yeah and i don't know if we were just late to the party or they just didn't do it as heavy this year or just a lot of does came in the heat all at the same time where they didn't have to compete i don't know yeah but uh i know that one afternoon we hunted this one farm in particular like 10 times yeah Ca- pretty big it, farm yeah. yeah and uh we uh it's got a bean field on it and then up the draw it turns into like a crp-ish looking cow yeah. pasture type deal it's kind of grown up but it's not super grown up like you can see off in the stuff one thing i think is important to mention before you go any further we talked about the rain um and how that set us back just in like time spent in the stand the other place where that hurt us is everything was so wet there was a lot of standing crops left mm-hmm. a lot a lot a whole lot yeah and normally the the corn is should be like almost gone by the end of october like yeah. harvested and there's still thousands of acres of standing corn up there mm-hmm. and all that does is provide habitat for deer that otherwise isn't there and they're like similar to hunting down here with pine thickets yeah. you know they get off in that sea of gold and they're just in there they're gone yeah it's it it, it definitely it's like obviously like imagine like it's a really good analogy imagine if you're hunting down here and you take a thousand acres of prime deer bedding pine thicket and in a matter of days it turns into a hundred acres of pine thicket yeah like you're you're the the amount or where they can hide is limited and all this, uh, like it, it just or probably 100 acres a bit much but it concentrates them yeah it's, instead it's, of them being way spread out it makes it easier to find and locate areas <coughs> to hunt when you don't have standing crops yeah like and the bottom line it hurts you when they're still there yeah. especially during the rut because those bucks are going to push those does off in that sea of standing mm-hmm. corn and they're never going to come out of there unless they just absolutely have to yep which Towards the end of the week, as the weather got better, we started seeing crops come down. This podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. Doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing, it does not matter. We don't go a day without using OnX Hunt public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. Um, but Sorry, continue forward. You were talking about looking up into that crp stuff oh yeah that's where we saw uh, the crp type looking stuff is where we saw all those books the first morning we had good weather and uh that afternoon we went and hunted a bean field and uh man 
that bean field is a happening spot it's a something it's a standing bean field which they hadn't got the crops out of but it butts up to a big chunk of big timber and they're standing corn on the other side of it so it's kind of like right in the middle of big timber and standing corn so it it's like two or three creeks that come in conjoined to it i mean it's picture perfect if you're looking on a satellite image it's like where to start out finding bucks that yeah. time of year um uh, that afternoon i don't we saw we saw some deer not yeah. a whole lot not what we expected we uh we were like man we're gonna have to stick in here for a few days because it's just a matter of time for it's gonna happen in this bean field it's, it's just too good a sign it's set up too good yeah yeah it just set up way too good we called up two eight points that afternoon called one right to the tree like 25 yards yeah. uh, two or three year old eight point probably 120 inch deer mm-hmm. i mean just like i was like if a mature one does that we're gonna be in the in the, yeah. in the honey uh the following day we saw several bucks that morning in the crp uh young deer again and uh went back to the bean field that afternoon decided to hunt another stand on the other end of it because the wind had changed and we could, thought we could see better from there mm-hmm. see we was kind of slow i think we saw a spike early and then nothing 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 about 5 30 man i catch a, a deer running like 350 yards i was like like there's something's going on down there it's in a creek bottom so i can just see bits and pieces of deer running mm-hmm. and finally they're like a bunch of deer were like oh gosh what's going on down there and uh ended end up ended up being one doe obviously hot as she could be she had what seven bucks behind six her? or seven yeah one big mature one just a freaking pig i mean he he was like a six point side like as in had three points on his one side and the other side was like come up as a big spike and like split two or three times it was like a giant spike and it like it almost crowned yeah like it was it was was crazy wild looking for sure and the 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 way that i equated seeing that buck it's like this doesn't happen to me as much now just because i guess i've got more years of hunting under me but i remember when i was younger and i was trying to like get a grasp around aging deer what's mature what's immature and i'd see i remember like like i'd see like a three-year-old buck i'd be like that one looks mature and that one that one may be mature i can't tell that one and then when you actually see a mature one you don't question it you go oh that's what those that's that's what that is that's a bull and that's what (laughs) is so we're seeing all these different bucks and we never thought i think we may have seen a few of them you're like that one may be four but i don't think so we had a couple of those but that crazy horn deer with the spike runs out and you there go was, this, uh, there was one. two with that group that were three to four probably four-year-old bucks and this one just stood out amongst yeah. them as the man and he was absolutely it was cool to see that because you don't see that a whole lot we saw it last year at swamp donkey with you yeah and uh up until that point i hadn't seen it in years yeah but uh that one mature just big bull buck he was standing over top of that doe running every other buck that would come up there even within 20 yards he'd just jolt yeah he was he was more aggressive like the one i killed at swamp donkey a buck would have to encroach on him before he turned around and ran him off this one it's like if a buck looked him in that doe's direction he was like nope <laughs> he'd go running on. at him we couldn't hear him but i was looking at him binoculars and he was snort wheezing and grunting and all kind of stuff you could just see it you know in his, yeah. in his tone like he his was body. upset he was he was <laughs> not happy with all his other bucks around his girlfriend yeah and, and i imagine with his particular antler configuration that he could do some damage if yeah. he got in a fight 
right. <laughs> and we were like these deer are like 300 yards from us 350 and there's like nothing you can do no. to get that big buck off of them yeah so i was like like i'm gonna rattle just to see what happens yeah and uh that was one of the the coolest experiences i had had the whole week because you don't ever get in that position where you can see how deer react to that yeah and uh, I pulled horns off and just hit them together like a fight, snort wheezed, and one of the seven bucks peeled off of that bunch and one, come running to us. It was one of those eight points that we said was three to four years yeah. old. Yeah, I mean, he peeled off so fast and just come running. Yeah, he was in a full, like, gallop across that beast field. <laughs> like, Here he comes. But, but it was really cool to see that happen, how, like, all the bucks heard it and they were looking, but only one peeled off of that bunch. It's, it's interesting, like you said, to be able to watch the reactions. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the, the most of them were kind of, they acknowledged it, but they were apprehensive. They were kind of like, I don't think I'm going to stay and kind of see how this situation at hand plays out. Yeah. Then you have, like, I don't even know if the big one over the doe, like, I think you could tell that he heard it. But I don't even want to say that he acknowledged it. He just kind of looked. The first time you rattled, he just kind of looked over there. He's like, I got what I want yeah. right here. Yeah, and then this one was like, here he comes. Now, one time towards the end of the night, he had been standing there a while. I think most, if I remember right, a lot of the bucks had kind of spaced away from him. And you grunted and snort at him again, and that time it made him mad. Yeah, he turned our way and like made like five steps and snort yeah, bristled up real big. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was man shoot i don't know how many deer we called up the following afternoon we got in a stand right where those deer were yeah and uh had an eight point come out there 120 to 130 inch eight point he's a three to four year old deer and uh he was cruising like me and lake were like okay it's really starting now like they're starting to cruise yeah and uh i grunted him nothing i snort wheezed and i mean he didn't never even like paused he just turned and started walking our way yeah. like the difference in that grunt versus snort wheeze this made all the difference in the world for yeah. him to commit it's like when you grunted he kind of like slowed down his walking a little bit oh, he that looked. Was, yeah but that was you know what i mean like he didn't even stop he just kind of looked and kind of slowly kept walking then he kept going but you're right when you hit that snort wheeze he, whoop, <laughs> yeah, he came right to us at like 35 yards yeah and uh Man, it was like that all week. We just didn't have the the right one, the big mature buck that came by and acted like that. But you know what? We're going right back this week, so hopefully, yeah, the lockdown is done and they're looking for the next doe that's in, and uh, we'll get lucky with some of those mature bucks that are pulled off. That's the like the whole like I'm. I feel like I, I try to be an optimist, you know, and so granted we were going into this trip thinking like man it is prime time it's prime calling time surely within the week we can get we'll have one killed and come back and talk about it and then we'll be able to focus our efforts on kudzu the rest of the year how often do these things talking about hunting go to plan (laughs) never right yeah so but like you said it's we didn't have a bad hunt at all um and it's more or less like a now we get to hunt a different phase of the rut you know mm-hmm. uh, and see see what shakes out there's plenty of now, big deer I mean, there out of we hunted seven or eight days i guess six seven days yeah. and so we sat probably 12 14 times yeah. and we didn't have not a bad hunt Mm-mm. at all i mean we saw rack bucks every time we sat in the stand just didn't yeah. have the right one come by the last evening we sat you saw one of the better deer we've seen all week yeah i was looking at him and uh he was 300 something yards from us and 
he was right on the edge of a creek and you could just i never saw the doe but he was just standing there looking into the creek just kind of content but just staring yeah. at her and uh i snort wheezed to him rattled did it all and he'd look and he'd actually puff up a little bit like he was getting mad but he just would not commit at all just because he's sat standing there looking at what he wants you know it's so funny to me like <laughs> and just t- like comparisons across the board is like you can take that exact behavior and you can find similarities in elk and turkeys because mm-hmm. like he's pinned down with a doe you go to call and he hears it and he like i said he'll kind of puff up and act mad but he ain't gonna leave yeah i've seen it's like a, a bull elk with bedded cows you go to bugling or raking a tree like sometimes he'll run and take five steps towards you and bugle back look like he's mad at the world but he's not leaving that cow and then how many times have you seen a turkey have a wad of hens you go to yelping like he'll strut he may even gobble they may even come 20 yards closer but he's gonna stay with that hen yeah it's so funny like you think about just the similarities in that behavior yeah absolutely it's just uh you just gotta catch them in the right mood or be in the right spot you yeah. know at the right time and we were in the right spot a lot of times just the right buck didn't walk by yeah and i can't tell you how many probably at least 10 different three-year-old bucks we let go yeah know? which i'm gonna make a um we we've talked on this podcast a lot about pretty much not getting caught up on how big a deer is yeah and i and i stand by that pretty much pretty much across the board with the exception and i like i'm just going to give my take here and then you you weigh in tell me i'm stupid or tell me you agree with it whatever you want to say i think like because i i'd i'd pretty much made that statement with my thoughts around like me being a resident of whatever state hunting my home or hunting around you know when you take into account i i I got a different thought process of it with your tag in iowa and this is why because like it took you what how long five years i started putting in 2016 so yeah so year five and you go up there iowa that that part of iowa particularly is known for two things it's known for a really intense rut and it's known for really giant deer Mm -hmm. so and it's like you don't it's not like we're taking emphasis or plan at all on wasting any of the meat like the meat is going to get used but at the same time i if i had that tag i couldn't honestly say well i'm just going up here because i want some deer meat well no if i wanted to do that i'd kill one at home yeah you know and so I have a much, much better acceptance of someone waiting to kill a big deer when they go on a trip like that because it just you have the genuine opportunity to. You waited however many years to draw it. You know what I'm, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, like, with me, I had in goals, like, first thing, mature buck. Yep, yep. Secondly... When I told you this, like, if I put up my binoculars and I immediately say shooter, that's all I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. if if it got me super excited, that's what I was going to shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, like, trying to kill a boon or anything. And now, if one walked by, absolutely, Fantastic. I love it. yeah. But same time, I told you, like, when I first saw that, that big mature buck that was with them does, I was like, 
I was looking at his, his antlers and I was like, mm, he don't really excite me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like trophy hunting, um, but I am up there. I, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I, I got a I got a different perspective yeah. of it. I, I still like I, I still think there's a line there, like getting caught up in the inches game. But I definitely got I def I got just got a different view. I truly, truly don't care what one would score. Yeah. No, that's how we judge them. Yeah. But like if a if a hundred and forty five inch eight point came walking by or a hundred and forty five inch twelve point and I got excited, I was gonna shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um it, you know this already, but I think it'd be interesting to share on here. Cause like I said, we talk about the whole score thing a lot and putting emphasis on that. Cause I mean I do think in some respects and in some circles, score has has taken some of the fun out of deer hunting mm -hmm. you know but and i did not come up with this this is credit to um i actually heard clay newcomb say this when he was on joe rogan's podcast and i feel embarrassed for not knowing but i did not know it until i heard it about him that basically and i'm gonna put it i'm not gonna be be able to say it the way he said it but basically the scoring system for deer is what saved big game hunting in america Right. I, did, I had no clue that that until I heard him say that. I had heard that before, but I had never like understood exactly what he's talking about. Turning into more of a sport than just killing stuff. Yeah, they they you were having just all age classes of deer getting wiped out, and I'm not sure. Again, I'm I'm gonna screw it up, but I I I think it was like I don't think this was like full in the full wash of market hunting days, but it was like kind of on coming off of that. But anyhow you had the vast majority of the population shooting all the deer and there was genuine concern like this is not an infinite resource we're going to lose our deer and so you had these these organizations boone and crockett pope and young whatever they were um coming up with a scoring system and what they did is made it to where it gave you notoriety it gave you something to brag about so to speak if you killed these larger antlered animals they gave it value Mm -hmm. which and the reason they did that is they're like the mass public is not going to be looking at deer at their age but chances are if they're sh trying to shoot only bigger antler deer they're not going to be continually continuously wiping out younger age classes yeah and that's where all that came from i thought that was wildly interesting yeah it is neat especially you know it, it obviously worked too yeah well i mean deer going extinct is not even a question now no. you know so no. it, yeah it worked but as much as I, I as, as much as i can get agitated at scoring systems sometimes people getting hung up on them it's it's cool to know what value they had oh yeah you know that is a neat fact very neat oh you're uh, just you're just a wealth of information that's nice i didn't come up with that one that was um uh, Clay Newcomb is who I heard say that, and I I felt it was one of those facts that like I heard him say it, and I was like I'm embarrassed I should have known that prior to this, but <laughs> I did not. Um, but yeah, here we sit Monday, November the eighth. Um, I think the plans are for now to go to Kudzu for a few days, and then we're going to make a return trip to the north to yeah, the Midwest. Leaving Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. Um, what it like? What do you think that you? I haven't talked to you much about it since we said, and I don't know if you talked to Tommy. Like, what do you think? Are we going to stick with that farm where we were at? Are we going to bounce around a little more? Have you even thought about that yet? Hadn't thought about it. Do whatever Tommy wants to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy sticking on that farm. Yeah, so am I. I yeah. just didn't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we know it well. That's the number one thing about being successful hunting is knowing your dirt. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot about it, so. 
You know, I, I hadn't thought about this, um, and you're gonna give me <laughs> give me some crap, but um, I I tried something last week for the first time uh, that you've been doing for about a year now. Oh, and uh, you made fun of me. Yeah, I did. You, I did. You made fun of me for doing this. Look, this is not again. I, I posted about it on my Instagram, and again, even though I'm talking about this podcast, these these folk, the folks here that I'm about to talk about, they do not sponsor us. This is not an ad or anything. This is jo- Jordan got a tree saddle last year, and he shows up to Kudzu with this thing, and he puts it on, and he looks like someone that works for you look like a someone that works for Energy Power Company. And I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then you put it on a tree out in the yard. You stand up in it. You're like, this is how it works. I'm like, that looks so I, – I did, I did not buy it at all, at all. Thought it was didn't look comfortable, this, that, and the other. I just was like, nah, I didn't, nah. Well, we started moving around in that bean field that we said we were hunting because the winds were changing and, you know, we were having to hike. I don't know how far it was, but it was a far enough hike that between – hiking with camera gear and stands and stuff jordan was like you know if you just use that saddle it's gonna lighten our load and our ability to get up there quicker you know a lot i was like fine i'll try the thing and gosh dang it if that thing it was i've sold on it (laughs) well the thing is like just the way you know me well enough like if something's a piece of crap i ain't gonna ever use it again Mm -hmm. and i've been using that thing it takes some getting used to like yeah. it absolutely especially hunting out of one you have to figure out like how to set up because yeah. it's totally different than hunting out of deer stand yeah but it's totally way more comfortable than you think it would be yeah i i thought it was like a super fad like the just didn't want to buy it at all like just didn't but once i tried it like it i'm not going to be one of the, like one of the jokes about that you hear about saddle folks is they say saddle folks like crossfit people they won't shut up about it it's like you know, so i'm not gonna be one of those guys <laughs> But, I like. But so here's my take on a saddle. Okay, like if I've got a lock on that's hung in a good spot that I know, like, there's, you know, there's a good chance of me shooting a deer out of that lock on. Yeah, I'm not gonna purposely go climb up in a tree with my saddle next to it <laughs> just to do just it, just to sit in my saddle. I'm gonna go sit in a lock on. Yeah. Or if I've got a if I've got a tree that I know I can climb with my climbing stand, I'm probably gonna do that. Yeah. But that daggone saddle serves a purpose. Yeah. So it's worth having one in the arsenal. I agree. And it, just for the fact, because I, if you, folks that have seen those things and are skeptical of them, like I'm telling you, I looked at it and I said, there's no way that's comfortable. There's no way that works well with getting a, dro- a bow drawn back. It's, is not at all what you think it is. Like it's, I love filming out of it. It's really, yeah, truly. Because like when you, filming wise, a lot of guys probably sell film their hunts, this, that, and other, listen to this. So filming, if you're filming somebody and you're in a lock on to the right of them, a lot of times you have got to stand up, turn around, move the camera around. With the saddle, you already turn around facing your hunter. So your camera is like, you don't have to move near as much. The other thing is like, honestly, we don't see it as much but like from a filming point like you're talking about if we hang a camera stand like if we're hunting a food plot at kudzu because the the rut's not as intense here uh, especially if we're hunting a food plot you know where most of the deer are so the, the camera stand in that respect is 95 percent chance it's gonna be perfectly fine i'm not gonna have to move that much yeah but like i said up there where we're at in iowa 
where there's going rut crazy and you don't know how much you're going to have to pivot. Like I learned real quick how valuable that thing was because the last evening we were there, like when those deer showed up behind us and you were looking at that shooter staring at that doe down in the creek, I'm like, well, goodness. And if I, if I didn't have the saddle on, I'd have had to do all kinds of acrobatics to try to get turned around to film like I needed to film. Yeah, it so, definitely, definitely serves a purpose. And to me, one of my biggest hangups on it before I bought it was I don't know how safe this thing is. Yeah. Because it's weird because you're so used to using a six-point body harness that goes around your shoulders and yeah. waist and chest and legs and all this kind of stuff, which after wearing a saddle, it just so cumbersome to wear a regular yeah. vest. But I was like, how is this rope that's holding me in this tree that safe? Yeah. And then I got to looking in on Amsteel rope, which is what's on that tethered saddle. It's an Amsteel is what that rope's called. Okay. The braking, like, they use that rope on truck winches. Huh. That little bitty rope, like, breaks. I don't know exactly the, the braking strength, but it's, like, thousands of pounds. Hmm. Like, that rope is way stronger than the actual tether that's holding you in a tree on a regular huh. harness. Yeah. It, my thing, like, to your point, I, it was it was good for me, mentally at least, that the first night I hunted out of that thing, we are in a relatively low tree stand. It's, and, man it's so weird like when the way you sit in a saddle you kind of lean backwards away from the tree yeah it is so weird just hanging off that rope but too, when you get comfortable with it it's like man i can swing around this exactly. thing like i'm in a hammock so this, it was like take the second night i was in that saddle we were in a giant cottonwood tree like way up there yeah and if that would have been my first night in the saddle i wouldn't have liked it <laughs> first first time back in the saddle <laughs> uh the the first i feel a lot more apprehensive but that first night it was a relatively small tree so i mean you got the platform around it super easy we weren't too high off the ground and so like i, I was up there kind of like experimenting like seeing how much i could move and i was like man this that's that was the verdict i was like this is way better than i ever thought it would be so when i first got that thing i've got a little river birch in my backyard it's literally like eight inches around like tiny you can, there's no way to put a stand on that thing and I was able to put my my platform to my saddle on this little bitty tree and sit in that tree comfortably. And this is like a tree big as my thigh. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. that's it's it's very versatable. Well, that's what you're and talking about when you're talking about how versatile that thing now, can great be. Great big trees don't like it on big trees. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like I was talking to Jordan, I was telling I was in the process of telling him that i mean i didn't say it out like this i was like being way more wordy but i was basically telling him i was really wrong about this saddle i should have tried it <laughs> earlier but i and i said something i was like the only thing where i could see a potential problem is like if we were hunting at cottonmouth and you had to hunt you had to try to hunt one of them giant cottonwood trees yeah and dadgummit if that very night we weren't didn't have to go to a giant cottonwood and we got i mean we got it in there and it worked but it, it's, it's definitely more complicated than a smaller tree but um it is extremely like you can get you can get set up in a saddle in a tree that there's no way you could get in with a lock on or a climber mm -hmm. that and that's where the like that's where that thing becomes extremely valuable in my opinion as long as you don't have like a big crook where you can't get the platform in you can get in a s-curve tree with that thing yeah yeah it's 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 pretty cool so i i'm here to I, I'm in this single podcast. I'm changing some of my perspective on passing on deer because of size, and I'm here to say publicly that I was wrong about tree saddles. 
I and, love it. <laughs> and I don't care. Like, dude, I, I guess there's like a stick around those things because I posted that deal, and I had like a couple guys like razz me to death about like you're hung out of a tree saddle. You're one of those guys. I'm like, you haven't tried it yet, have you? It's all it could be because I was the same way. I can't talk. I can't talk crap. I was the same way. I was the same way too until I bought one. Yeah, I, was, I just it finally got the best of me. I was like, you see all these guys hunting out of them that cannot be that bad. Yeah. I know that there's some, there's some goofy people out there, but there's also some goofy people out there hunting out of normal lock-ons, well, too. Well, Warb was using one. Yeah. And I was like, Warb is not a gimmicky person, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyhow, tree saddles, I like them. Um, check them out. I don't have a promo code for you because we, they don't sponsor us, but <laughs> but I do like them. Um, I think that's about it. We, uh, like I said, we're headed back to Kudzu. We're gonna have a few days, and we're gonna go back to Iowa. And uh, I'm gonna take the podcast. St- I should know better. Period. To not leave the podcast stuff, so I, I don't plan on missing any more weeks. But um, thank y'all for sticking with us again. Uh, we're gonna wrap this conversation up. But if you wanna save some money on some Primos goodies on the website, use promo code STL21. Jordan, you got anything else to add? Mm-hmm. Send us some luck. Send us some luck. All right. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.